0: Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast with me, Ian Luke-Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community and today's guest is a delightful Lakshmi Priya. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher and wherever else you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and help get our name out there. Now it's time to go off script and find out Lakshmi's true story about making stuff up. And please welcome this week's guest, it's Lakshmi.
1: It is me, hi. Hey,
0: super excited to have you on Lakshmi. You are somebody that I've been following closely over the last 18 months or so. You've been doing great things in the online improv world. And I just wanna give you this opportunity to tell your story and find out what your journey into improv has been.
1: It's it's absolutely my pleasure to be here and to be talking to you and yay. Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. So I wanna jump straight in and I wanna ask first of all, how did you get involved in improv?
1: Right, so my journey with improv in that it is a spontaneous form started with playback theater which was part of my course when I was doing undergraduate degree. And it was something we did early morning, learned it like 6.30 a.m. We'd come back, we'd have to be there. So we all learned it together almost like a cult and we performed that mostly because my friends and I were doing that together. Okay. Uh, and then improv proper, I, so I did playback theater for around eight to nine years before I discovered improv theater. And um, I hadn't heard much about it plus I was very, worried that I'm not funny enough (laughs) to be doing improv. So uh, actually it happened that one of my friends with whom I was doing playback was a co-founder of Improv Comedy Bangalore. So he was looking for more folks to sort of audition for the all women's team. That's how I ended up auditioning. And I have never left because it's such a cozy space. And then from there, I started discovering different kinds of improv. And now I'm, yeah, I'm in the process of learning and getting tools to do better and better improv.
0: So Improv Comedy Bangalore, when you first got started with them, was that just short form that you were doing?
1: Mm, Yes, actually, I've never uh, I didn't start with like a yes and lesson in that sense. I never started with the 101 because it was an audition. It was all and we got some of us got in. It was already understood that we'd be doing a show in like a month. We had four rehearsals before that and we just jumped right into the first game which if i remember right one of it was definitely i forget the name of the game but where there the same person plays many uh, characters in the same See? okay yeah so that yeah we would, we just jumped right in and because of that the inter- the learning has been interesting because we have sort of figured it on the job like when we were training to perform for the first show we would learn the basics and the game all together So it is a very interesting and intense process.
0: Awesome. And something you mentioned in your first little bit was about you thinking you weren't funny enough for Mm. improv. That's a really interesting topic I like to talk to people about because a lot of people go into it thinking you have to be funny. So how long were you doing improv before you discovered, oh, you don't actually have to be funny?
1: Yeah, I think I discovered it almost in defense because um, spontaneous theater, which is playback that I was doing for like or, around nine years-ish at that point, yeah. is a is a is a form where the tone of the show is sort of depend is pretty much like a more ritualistic space, and nobody expects humor necessarily as an outcome of watching um, playback theater. Not that it is not funny at times; it is profoundly funny at times, but mostly because it becomes a space where folks share that real life stories uh the humor is more in the telling than the playing um so coming from there most of my the idea the concepts of active listening collaboration yes ending um sort of going with the flow a bit of like metaphors poetry those were in place but what was not in place was say character and um and accents or very peculiar things like that, which I never needed in that before. Yeah. So at least um, in the first two shows that I was part of, which is at least three months at, at the and Eves, I wouldn't ever, if they ever asked for volunteer, I would never put my hands up. And I'd always be <laughs> like, okay, let's wait and watch. And then I realized that I am not good at being funny when I'm trying to be funny. So that's where <laughs> when I really had to drop it because I could see, you know, those shows where you're making the joke, it sounded yeah. good in your head, you say it and nobody's laughing and now that's the real premise you've given your co-improviser. <laughs> and they're like, that makes no sense and you're like, oh, sorry, that was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> so it was pretty much out of like failure of being funny that I realized, ah, I'm not funny, but I'm still improvising and people seem to want to improvise with me. So maybe I don't have to be funny. So it was a very syllogistical thinking at the end of the game.
0: Awesome. So you mentioned the Adam and Eve's there. Um, just talk talk me through exactly who the Adam and Eve's are and who Improv Comedy Bangalore are. Are they separate entities? Are they the same thing with different branches?
1: I see. So Improv Comedy, the Adamant eves very much came out of improv comedy Bangalore because unlike many of the other uh, improv teams in India from what I have been told the in Bangalore in Bangalore improv comedy Bangalore, there were enough women to start women's only team already, okay. uh, which was not the case with many space uh, places that I have watched from I'm sure I might probably getting it factually correct, but hmm. most of the teams that I was in at least a proportion of men was like marginally higher okay. than the female players, or female-identifying or non-binary players. So um, our audition was to add more people into them, into their umbrella of the Adamant Eve. So there were okay. already four to five people who were already there, and three, four of us were added. Um, and so Improv Comedy Bangalore was sort of the larger umbrella under which the Adamant Eve existed. But by by the end, we were doing so many shows, and. Somehow we were selling more tickets as the all women team than Improv Comedy okay. Bangalore as a co like all genders team. So that was that was interesting. That we I think we did before the pandemic have a small um, repeat following. That a lot of okay. people who came for shows would come back and keep in touch with us, asking when our show was. So I guess it was also the novelty of having an all women cast, which was not. All that normal or um, yeah true, common
0: yeah, so trailblazers in the area
1: yeah, uh, in a way definitely I mean we are not the only all women performing arts team, but, but definitely first all women um, improv team
0: awesome so before the pandemic hit, you said you' starting to get a good following what was your normal routine like in terms of how often did you get together to rehearse things and jam how often did you actually put shows on
1: I see um I think we had agreed between ourselves for a term which is four months we'd do at least two to three shows okay so we always rehearse towards a show or sometimes what would happen is either a company or a college would get in touch with us and because of the novelty of being all women's team, and we were we were quite we were getting into the rhythm of each other. Our shows were getting only better and better, and there was a lot of trust. All all great uh, ingredients for a good team, which at least enjoys itself while playing, and then that always sort of projects outside towards the audience. So we were um, the common understanding was before any show we'd have at least three. Two hours rehearsals okay but the thing was we were so close and we were like quite we are quite good friends so much so that uh, our first hour of rehearsal would be just check-in we would yeah. be just catching each other up on our lives and uh, some of us also worked separately together in different teams or in independent okay. projects so we were in each other's lives and faces quite a bit <laughs> um so yeah we would in a month at least meet three times uh or, or three or four times.
0: yeah. Excellent. And then when the pandemic hit, you know, improv had to change and improv became this wonderful global community all of a sudden. How mm-hmm. were you able to adapt? How did you find out about things moving online? And then how did you start get getting so involved with things that are online?
1: So I think I speak for myself. Uh, what happened was uh, as soon as sort of everything shut down in India. Yeah. We were, ICB a lot, many of us just met on Zoom to be like, how are you doing? Just okay. to check in on each other. And then when we met, we realized everybody was in a bad place, obviously. And then we were like, why don't we just play some games? You know, it doesn't have to be a big thing. We'll just jam between us. And uh, it's sort of, because it was such a time of uncertainty, just like now, but even more so, because nobody had any clue what was really going yeah. on um we just this was this became the certain thing right that oh we will have a jam at least every other yeah. day and we'll get to play some games so it it became like that sort of platform to foot, put your foot on both yeah. your uh, feet on. so um that's how it started and then some of our team members especially bala faraz and arjun they were watching a lot of international um uh, improv, especially Arjun who has been coached under some of the greatest improvisers uh including Keith Johnston. he was really in touch wow. with his performed improv professionally in Dubai so he was really in touch with all his teachers and the larger improv scene and uh, at the time he was artistic director of ICB so some of us just out of sheer interest and just curiosity as to what other improv at other places look like we started uh, watching those shows through. And then we started streaming um, our shows, maybe weekly shows or twice a week. And uh, also around that time, what had happened was David Escobedo had an interview with the Adamant Eves.
0: Uh,
1: And we had a, we had a lovely sort of, you know, as with David, a lot of people were watching and they got in touch and we did more shows in other uh, spaces. So it just, and we started taking classes, we started attending many classes. Um, yeah, so it just sort of networked and branched out from there.
0: <laughs> awesome. So I first encountered you last summer in an LCI drop-in, I think it was. And I was fascinated in that drop-in to discover that the time difference isn't just hours there's a a half hour difference as well. And that blew my mind. Like that must be really difficult for you to join jams around the world.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, at the peak of last year, when, you know, like maybe three, four months into the lockdown everywhere, you know how like every day there were at least three jams that were happening. My friends and I were attending and watching things early morning at four o'clock. We were (laughs) sleeping late at two o'clock. We were performing at like different time zones. So yeah, that time was really crazy. We were all just so we would just check in the group. Hey, this is happening. Anybody <laughs> wants to stay up and watch together? So yeah, I think during that time it was <laughs> all of us were <laughs> awake.
0: And I've seen that that you teach improv. You teach classes. How did you get into the teaching side of things?
1: Yeah. So um, as with a lot of performers teaching has to go along for the you know the monies and just to get at some point you feel like you might have something that you'd like to share and then you become a teacher so for me similarly in my. um, original playback team, I was there for around already eight years, so it was naturally time to start taking up some responsibilities of teaching. And that's how sort of, sort of came into pretty much crash landed into the facilitation and teaching arena. And uh, once uh, I taught there something about body and uh, tensions and just physical entry point into spon- points into spontaneity. Um, when uh, at Adam and Eve's uh, they checked with me, you know, some of uh, the, us were common to different groups and they had seen me teach at another place, so they checked if there is something I'd like to bring to the Adamant EU circle, and at first I was really scared, I was like, I don't know if this is improv I uh, I don't know if this adds a value, but they were like, just why well, don't take, don't pressure, put a pressure on yourself, just play it out, let's see how it goes. Yeah. And uh, once we, once I worked that out, it really added to working through characters and working through pace of theme, of, of uh, scenes, like varying different rhythms. Uh, so, yeah, so that's how I started realizing that I don't have to keep playback and improv as these two watertight things and things can flow between them. Yeah. There is resources both can learn from each other.
0: And do you have a favorite type of improv, whether it's a type of game or whether it's short form or long form or being a character?
1: Yeah, I think uh, for me, I really love a good... Um, everyday scene like okay. a scene where not too much is happening and it goes slow and it's really relationship based and there are moments of like where the actors or the improvisers surprise each other yeah. they're like oh we made this so i really like delight in their delight i love stuff like that uh i'm also um <laughs> i'm also a bit of a sucker for like games which has inanimate things <laughs> i'm 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 a big fan i'm also very much interested because of my history with performance history with playback in more abstract types of improv where okay. you know not everything has to be grounded to the reality we can we can play time we can a scene can be a metaphor for something else you know a scene yeah. where not much happens to a level of like boredom so to speak but basically yeah i think long form or montage is rather with a lot of intentionality.
0: And with moving everything online, have you had to change your style much to fit it into this box?
1: Um, Because I was not very, I hadn't spent too much time learning improv, at the, proper improv at that point. I had done okay. maybe two years, yeah, two years at the point that we came online. Yeah. Uh, I still had so much to learn. So in a way, like a part of my, uh, identity as an improviser is really um, informed by the stuff I learned online. Yeah. So one thing I of course, lost is the is a 3D ness. Like I like playing creatures or creaturesque characters. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that energy is lost online. i mean, even though you can use your physicality and mm-hmm. set up in a way that you can be maximally seen. Uh, there's still a level of like that energy that you lose. Um, for me, the biggest loss, so to speak, uh, and then adapting it to see what other ways to bring it were um, the stories that proximities tell, like how close I'm standing to another improviser says a lot about our relationship, which is sort of lost in a screen. So uh, that was something which I really had to had to adapt. But for me, overall, it has been learning wise, definitely have learned a lot more than I've had to compromise on.
0: Awesome. And away from improv, when you're not improvising, uh, what do you do with yourself? How do you spend your time?
1: Oh, okay. So I wow. um, I like to read. I also have a full-time okay. job. Um, I also take tuitions, I teach uh theater 101 to students and young learners, and also teach English. Um I also am trying to write a little more okay. um, for myself mostly. Um <laughs> I, yeah, I think I'm also in, because I co-founded my current, uh, playback group, I am usually very, very busy, just like facilitating stuff and doing more in playback shows. And yeah, that definitely city lamps has my hundred percent attention.
0: That's awesome. So you said you're writing a bit for yourself there. What is it that you write exactly?
1: Ah, uh, I, <laughs> no, I. My first imposter syndrome is like, oh, nothing worth mentioning. But I think what I like writing is um a bit of again a bit like what I was saying about improv, like things that don't need to have a resolution, like a whole story arc, but it can just be a yeah. slice of a story. And when we read it, we know that something happened before that and after that. I also like to write a lot of like just um things that struck strike me and then just exaggerate it. Like, I don't know, life of a dyed up um, grape inside a fridge of somebody who's gone away. So it means it's, there is no story happening. Then a lot of like internal reflective sort of um, went almost.
0: <laughs> I think what you mentioned about imposter syndrome, it's, it's quite an important thing to talk about because I think everyone goes through imposter syndrome at some point, especially creatives. When you are putting pen to paper on something that's come out of your brain, there is that that fear of like, well, what if no one likes this? This surely can't be good enough for, for other people. It's, I'll just keep it to myself. It's a difficult thing to deal with, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, for me, because writing, I never, mean to make anything out of it. Like, I never mean to publish anything. It's just mostly for myself and maybe the closest circle of friends to yeah. share with. Um, but in improv, that's definitely something that has existed a lot more, uh, especially with teaching, because um, a lot of stuff that I teach tends to not be in the traditional canon of improv learning, because I myself haven't got in the training. Uh, everything. And I think learning learning improv in a setting which is not, say, in Europe or the US or yeah. the North, America, North America is that uh, you learn in like bits and pieces through some teachers who come or through the things that our friends who have learned it elsewhere bring back to us. We don't learn in necessarily like level one, level two, level three, that sort of linear yeah. way of learning. Um, because I come from that sort of learning history, which I'm not, which I'm quite proud of. And I enjoy, that's my learning style. I wouldn't do very well in places where my obedience is required because I'm usually (laughs) like, ah, I don't want to do 201. I want to do 401 after 101. Um, not because of arrogance, just because of a needless need to, (laughs) senseless need to rebel. Um, but yeah, because of that, there is always a feeling of, Am I supposed to be teaching? Is this useful? Am I teaching it in the best way? Mm, Am I supposed to be the one holding this kind of attention in this Zoom room is sometimes a question which comes up for me. And I always remind myself that, yes, because they asked you. (laughs) (laughs) Also, uh, you can always learn and be a better teacher from the learnings from the current one.
0: Awesome. Uh, do you ever have situations when we're doing these international jams, where yeah. you say things that just don't hit with others, they don't resonate with others yeah. because they're local to you? Where it's perhaps a joke that just works in your country or yeah. just a saying that only people in your area <laughs> understand.
1: Uh, uh, that's a really good question. And I think there are two levels of answers to it. One is, of course, that um. I have done that unintendingly, like used a word which denotes something uh, locally and maybe I didn't know had a different either connotation or just doesn't sit. Sometimes you know, you use words in a sentence which in a very certain way in your circles, and then when you use it like that, it doesn't quite land in the the way you expect it. But that's usually unintentional for me. Intentionally, um, I don't take, I'm very aware of who's in the room. So if it feels like people won't, might not, even there's a chance that people might not get it. I tend to not play too much to my local. I save that for folks at ICB or people who might, I know (laughs) at the same same thing. Also the second layer of reality in that is that um, we are a country which is inundated with pop culture from America and other Western countries. So we are already, uh, trying to play to an imagination of the pop culture that's been ah, fed okay. to us so in an international setting you're you're trying to navigate many selves your local <laughs> self your pop culture consumer self uh, yeah yeah
0: because I've been in some scenes with some Americans yeah where there's words where yes we both speak English but we don't speak the same English because there are some yeah. words that are have different meanings in Britain compared to America and one word that always sticks out to me is the word torch because a torch in Britain is known as a flashlight in America yeah and I've been in scenes more than once where torch has come up as a suggestion and it's been interesting because we're trying to make completely (laughs) different things happen about different objects
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) oh my god so the other torch is like torching things on fire yeah Oh. Oops! Yeah, that can be quite <laughs> a confusion.
0: Yeah, uh, but it's it's funny to see see them play out, and sometimes, uh, sometimes you can see the moment where improvisers click. Oh, we're talking about ah. different things here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think those are very, I don't know if it's as delightful for a lay audience, but as an improviser watching an improv show, I I quite delight in that. I'm like, ah, okay, this is now the point where they have understood
0: <laughs> yeah. what
1: the other person was doing.
0: <laughs> and you've said that where you are, you're very heavily influenced by American pop culture. Yeah. I just want to ask you about comedy. What are your comedy influences?
1: Yeah, I, um, my comedy influences, frankly, are all very, very super local. Like, I grew up on Tamil movies, I grew up on Malayalam movies. Uh, I never quite appreciated mainstream Bollywood, which is the largest money-making film yeah. industry in India. Uh, even though I watched quite a bit since I was a teenager, but uh, by then I was already spoiled by my more vernacular humor which is in Tamil and Malayalam, which are my native tongues. Um, So, uh, yeah, I was, so frankly, a lot of like um, voices and characters from childhood who are like hilarious and a lot of like contrariness, where something which is supposed to be very serious is said in like very, very uh, funny tone or something that is really not uh, important is said in like large grandeur, it's a lot of contrasts leading to humor these are sort of yeah my comedy learning in fact the first time i watched uh, saturday night live was I ho- after i heard about it in improv circles and that was when i was 26 so yeah i had no clue about um, most of american comedy uh though i did watch quite a bit of tiny tv and cartoons <laughs> from <laughs> global <laughs> show, but uh, not so- comedy
0: something I do want to ask you about is as a, a young Lakshmi in school, how heavily influenced was your education by sort of the, the Western world or was it not really? Is it very is it very much focused on sort of India and the, the Indian tradition or is there a lot of sort of Americanisms brought into the curriculum?
1: Mm, I think I was uh the textbooks as per as much as the law is very influenced by the british you know because of the colonialism there's a lot of yeah. like that remnants of um educational system because a lot of the education institutions were set up by uh, the colonizers um so there is a certain level of propriety and properness that comes mm-hmm. from that um but the infrastructure is still indian So a lot of learning is very STEM focused, like science, technology, basically professional courses focused, which also has a lot to do with the, where where the money is at the moment, because everybody's sort of trying to better themselves as in a country which is still making its footholds, economic footholds. So um, in that way, it was very, at least the school that I went to, which is a middle-class school, and a government school not a public school, which is more affluent, I went to more, government school. There, the the focus very much was on learning your sciences and learning your uh, languages just enough to give you an edge over others to win a job.
0: Okay. So it was very,
1: yeah, it was very like functional towards employment in that sense.
0: So how many languages did you learn in school?
1: Um, I, I learned English, Hindi, uh, and Sanskrit, so not too many, three of them till my 10th grade and then two of them. Yeah, Wow. I spoke at home. I spoke in a couple of other languages at home, though. I never I can't read it. I can I can. Um, yeah, I can say it. Still. I can speak it somewhat.
0: And in India right now, what is the situation like in terms of, of where are you at with the pandemic and coming out of it? What's the situation?
1: So, uh, as you might have heard and read, uh, the second wave was really disastrous. Yeah. To put it lightly, it was uh, it was a complete systematic failure of all infrastructure and institutions. Um, and right now, the numbers have sort of calmed down. At the moment, they are not. I mean, that is of course relatively to when it was really, really it was lax and lax of cases, and you know, phones were abuzz with like somebody passing away or somebody needing a ventilator or an oxygen mask. Uh, We have moved from there somewhat, or maybe the media has just stopped reporting. It could be Uh either. Um, But right now, it feels like we are tentatively awaiting the third wave. So things are going between uh, um, partial lockdowns to no lockdown, to completely opening to like zones being contained. So it's a, it's a moment of uh, transition. Yeah, we don't have complete surety right now but where we stand, yeah.
0: And have you been able to get back to in-person improv at all?
1: Not at all. I think there was a little bit of time before um, the second wave when we all were <clears throat> thinking, like I see we had a jam and my uh, playback team had a like, couple of jams and we were like, yeah. OK, maybe we should do a, to a rehearsal, because those were just jams. We were just like getting to see each other again. (laughs) Uh, But we were like, okay, now we can maybe take it seriously and do some dedicated rehearsals. But before we could do any of that concretely was when the second wave happened. Since then, at least I have not taken the risk of meeting, but I think uh, there isn't a complete curb on things that are happening in physical spaces, but everybody's quite tentative.
0: And do you think that online improv will remain a big part of your life moving forward?
1: Uh, I hope so. I also think part of it would be uh, I'd be more mindful about which courses I would take. And it also will depend on whether I will be expected to travel. Uh, so I used to travel anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour one way right. to my office. So that's like five hours of my life. Uh, so. <laughs> It would depend heavily on whether I'd be expected to go every day of the week to office, um, which is quite far. If not, I see myself being able to uh, attend more, learn more and take classes and be part of online teams.
0: Awesome. And I've been super impressed uh, with the There's like a whole group of you from improv comedy Bangalore that have just appeared all over the place, and I sometimes I've I've worked out, and I'm like, it's like crazy hours in the morning for them.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very enthusiastic to learn.
0: Yeah. So has has that really messed with your sleep patterns over the last year?
1: Yeah. I mean, mine <laughs> mine were really messed up till I guess September, October, but then from um, yeah, I think even till December, it was quite. I was sleeping at odd hours, et cetera. But then this January, I thought I'd sort of sit down and be sure to not try to do everything and really be mindful about what courses I want to do and what is the one skill I want to work on. So I ended up doing more narrative focused and log form focused training uh, so that I can can learn those skills, which I do think it would be good to learn from while the access to great teachers online exist and remain.
0: So if there's people listening that aren't sure about the differences between narrative and long form, could you just give a brief explanation about, about what they are?
1: Yeah, sure. So narrative is like reading a story in a book. We are trying to tell a, uni- a story which has some unified characters we see again and again, perhaps some of the scenes and the narrative arcs find closure but in long form it's not necessary that the characters repeat or the scenes have to be following a narrative unity like it doesn't have to be in the same world Uh, in long form it's more about being inspired from themes and settings and characters and even with long form there can be different formats Uh, and even with narratives there can be a lot of genre that can be played so yeah i think i hope i didn't confuse folks further
0: And is, is there someone that you play with regularly that always manages to crack you up?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Veena. Veena is uh, in improv Comedy Bangalore and we also play back together at City Lambs. Um, her characters never fail to. It's, she's, just, she's just a genius. It's like, sometimes when, if, you know, Veena comes on screen with her camera covered all of us are waiting with like baited breath to see what is the character geniusness (laughs) that she has managed to do this time and then it's very difficult to get through a scene with straight face with her because she's just like her characters are hilarious (laughs) awesome
0: yeah uh, there's I think every every group's got like at least one person that always keeps people on their toes in anticipation for what's next
1: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely it's just it's just worth playing to be able to like just be a part of that miraculous revelation of today I'm going with this hilarious character yeah. and you're like yeah this is what I was looking for
0: and you mentioned there that she would cover the screen and then appear and I think one of the cool things about improv online is there is that extra element of oh surprised I've turned my camera on and I'm wearing a completely different outfit and I'm looking wacky yeah. and things that you can't necessarily yeah. do on stage
1: absolutely yeah and also the other side of that is it's also an extra layer of like safety in a sense if you feel like you don't want to be at a particular space or if you if there was an offer which made you uncomfortable i think in a way it's a bit easier to cover your camera or like even go off video or leave a meeting uh, than the whole process of sort of moving through space while everybody is watching you know unless i guess we skip out during an interval of a particularly bad workshop (laughs) but this is definitely i think in a way i i will speak for myself it has empowered me more too because i know i'm in my space and i'm only connected to through this one platform and i can always close it i think this is an empowering thing
0: yeah and i think from a well-being side of things i i know of quite a few people that just love the fact that there's an improv class they can just Turn on their camera, and then if they're not in the mood for it, they can turn off. But they can still be a part of it, and they can still watch it all. And they haven't had to travel there, so they don't yeah. feel like they've wasted their their time. And it's very yeah. easy to just sit in your room and watch. And then maybe one game happens, and you think, "Oh, I can do that one. I'll just join that yeah. one." And so yeah. yeah, I know I've spoken to quite a few people that have really enjoyed that aspect of online yeah. improv.
1: Yeah, I think we've also in uh, different settings heard about folks who might not be able to or want to travel the entire yeah. ex- external world to make it 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 takes care of their accessibility needs um, to be able to do it from the comfort of their home and yeah absolutely it I guess I guess the outside world is extremely ableist yeah so this, this is one way to yeah work yeah. that perhaps.
0: so I want to ask you about something thinking along the well-being lines I want to talk to you about brain fog and if you've got any Mm -hmm. techniques for when you're in scenes and you get a bit of brain fog and and you for whatever reason struggle to think do you have any techniques that you use to help move a scene
1: on I think uh, there are there is a thing I do and there's a thing I love which gets done and I want to do more of I had just started doing more of it the thing that I really want to do and aspire to is scene painting because I feel like scene painting is i every time there's a good scene painting i am excited by it i'm extremely attracted to that sort of detail oriented specific sensorial explanation which basically like almost like a painting yeah it's called scene painting but i haven't done that too much that's where i hope to go uh, because um, i would love it if i ever like i'm not able to make a quick decision on stage and i'm struggling i can I can call to scene painting but nowadays what I usually do is walk as the character like just get some movement in uh, and let that sort of inspire the next offer so I think I rely heavily on my body for a lot of play oh awesome and,
0: yeah, awesome. and do you have any improv specific people that inspire you
1: um, I think I've been extremely inspired by Stephanie Ray from Black Improv Alliance. Okay. She's extremely fantastic and uh, such a superwoman, like logistically and improvise, and just a goddess Her songs and music. Um, I think also Katie Shoot, uh, because uh, I'm, I am I was at Impro- International Improv Station, which is uh, co run by katie shoot and um, chris meet so i was um, at one of the shows and i was so surprised that each offer that katie makes is sort of i guess just delightful and so fresh and different and inspiring yeah and uh, also ari ari because he, how observant he is and his, his improv never he's another person online who never fails to crack me up uh, <laughs> in, he's just really a great great teacher great writer of improv great observer great player like all package all in one package yeah so Ari too.
0: i think the thing with ari that sticks out to me is improvisers talking about food
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> that is, is probably one of the most visited groups on Facebook that I have uh, visited in the last year.
1: <laughs> absolutely, I I was a reluctant participant in the beginning, but then since I've come, it's definitely something I check at least once in three days, and I feel something is missing if I haven't checked that group now.
0: so for anyone that's listening that hasn't uh, seen that group check it out on facebook improvisers talking about food
1: stop (laughs) listening to this right now and go do that and then come back
0: or do both simultaneously you can do both at the same time (laughs) um so just before we do wind things down i want to ask if there was someone that was considering getting into improv and they were unsure about whether it was for them, what would you say to someone to try and persuade them to give it a go?
1: Um, I think I would say you can always leave whenever <laughs> you want, once you're there. So I think, I think that sort of agency, at least if there's somebody like me, they would be glad to hear that. Like you just because you are there and you paid the bucks or I gifted it to you, you don't have to stay, uh, just start it. And knowing improv, they're not going to want to leave. So it's just about like <laughs> getting in there. right? So, yeah, I think what would empower me. And therefore, I say that you can always leave if you want midway.
0: <laughs> and if, if there was someone that was in a situation that they felt uncomfortable with, because sometimes it happens uh, not, you know, people don't do things on purpose necessarily, but sometimes they might say something that triggers yeah. something in someone that the other person couldn't possibly have have imagined Imagine which one, what advice would you give to people in that situation
1: um i don't know if i can give advice but what i would i would definitely do is depending on the intensity of the trigger i would take a break definitely because if it's something that is going to be making me freeze on stage then i'm doing nobody a favor by continuing you know uh, everybody benefits me if, from me taking maybe a time out or whatever. Yeah. Uh, another thing, I, if I'm not that triggered and I have, I just need to get uh, get off the space. Would be um, to say cut two, maybe take the scene somewhere else and take myself out and uh, keep the person. So if I'm in a space where I'm able to gather that much cognitive yeah. presence of mind, then I that's probably what I do. But if I'm if I'm really triggered, I just talk. Maybe take a out and move. So that's what I would suggest. um, Yeah, to somebody who might be stuck in that space.
0: Awesome. That's great advice. Thank you very much. Uh, So just before we finish, do you want to advertise where people can find you online? Oh, yes,
1: sure. Um, So online, you can find me on my personal pages, which is Lakshmi Priya L-A-X-M-I-P-R-I-Y-A on Instagram and uh, Facebook. I'm on Twitter too but I'm just retweeting stuff I'm always too scared on Twitter to say anything completely <laughs> <laughs> uh, then you can find the adamant eves also on uh, Instagram and Facebook and lastly city lamps which is my playback team you can find us on uh, on both Facebook and uh, Instagram so that's where you can find me
0: Awesome. So, yeah, everyone listening, go and check out Lakshmi. She's fantastic. And whether you get to play with her or take a class with her or just watch her in action, uh, you will definitely be rewarded. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Uh, So thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you so much to Lakshmi. That really was a delight to have that conversation and one of the things I love about this show is when I speak to someone and I can just feel their passion for improv and I got that 100% from Lakshmi there she just loves improv and what she gives to improv is amazing and what she gets out of it is amazing Uh, and that's the great thing about improv you know, you get out of it what you put in but you can also get so much out of it if you don't put in because you can enjoy it as an audience member or you can get involved and you can enjoy it as a performer it's just such a great art form and there's been lots of talk about improv and well-being and I just think what a wonderful thing I've said this many times but everyone listening to this podcast knows what improv is improv is in your life and I just think we need to try and make it our mission somehow to get it out there into the masses and let it affect everyone in the way that it affects us. It's just such an amazing thing and you could hear the way Lakshmi speaks about it. It's the way most of us feel about it. And yeah, we need everyone to have a bit of improv in their life. So let's get spreading the word about improv, people. So yeah, thank you very much to Lakshmi, a really awesome chat, and I hope you all enjoyed listening to it, loads of great little tidbits of information in there, so there's something for everyone to take away from that and add to their tool belt, I think. Now, if you're interested in getting into improv or already involved in improv and want to try out a different improv scene then all the info you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk you can also check us out on facebook by searching for liverpool comedy improv and on twitter and instagram we are at live comedy improv we also have a facebook specific page for the show so just search on facebook for the liverpool comedy improv cast and you'll find All sorts of great things on there, including the new episode links that get dropped every Monday and a trailer every Thursday for the next episode that's going to be out the following Monday. And if you are a member of the LCI community and you'd like to be a guest on the show, then please get in touch with me or with Emma Bird and we'll make the arrangements as soon as possible. And when we say LCI community, it's just people that have been involved in LCI in any way. Maybe you've just been to some of the jams. Maybe you've done some of the online courses. Maybe you've been online. Maybe you've been in person. Maybe you've done a bit of both. But anyone that is involved in LCI and has taken part in some way, you're the people that we want to hear from. We want to give you the platform. We want to hear your story. We want to be inspired by you. So please do get in touch soon. If you've got Emma's contact details, great. Go straight to her. If you're friends with me on social media, contact me. And if you're not friends with me on social media, you can just add me and then you can contact me and then we can make the interview happen. I really look forward to hearing from some of you soon. Don't forget, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate the show, review, subscribe it's all little things like that that really give us a boost and help get our name out there and if you're interested in checking me out on social media you can find me on facebook instagram twitter and youtube just search for ian luke jones and i mean, youtube in particular i'll ask you to go there and check out the array of videos i have hopefully you'll find something to tickle your taste buds and that's pretty much it but before i go here are some words as always that are wise 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 Always remember, whatever the situation, to treat life like improv and yes
1: and.